Yo, yo, welcome, welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on Instagram. We're going to be discussing everything that implicates young people today. So thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Millennials Podcast. My name is Meeks and I'm your host. You can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on your social media platforms. And today I want to wrap up the year by talking about your moral score. So end of 2023, it's been a good year. It's been a bad year. There've been ups, there've been downs. And here we are at the very final end of it. And I think it's useful for us to reflect and to check out what we did well and what we did not do too well to understand how we can move forward in 2024. So this will be the last pod for this year and for this season. And next year, we'll go into some other pressing issues. But for today, I just want to get into this idea of evaluating our moral score. And basically what I'm trying to allude to here is how have we participated in the world from a moral standpoint? Have you treated people well? Have you disregarded people that maybe you need not to have? Have you held bad thoughts and bad feelings towards other people? Have you maintained a level of unrighteousness? Have you cheated, lied in business, in your relationship? Have you done that which is evil in the sight of God? And again, I'm going to bring this from a spiritual perspective because to determine what your moral score is, you have to have a baseline, not baseline records like Rockefeller did in New York back in the day, but a baseline in terms of a record that you can judge your outcomes and the things that you've done in the last year or so. And so I'm going to use myself as a prime example and just share a few vignettes and experiences that perhaps will give you insight into how to determine what your moral score is. So 2023 was a very interesting year in regard to the fact that I got to travel to married countries and experience married cultures and a plethora of different ways of living and ways of communicating, ways of acting, just cultural ticks that maybe I was not necessarily privy to, which is part of the reason why I travel. It's to get a sense of what is happening outside the United States because we're so enclosed and isolated in the way of our thinking because we believe everything ends and starts within our culture. So for that reason, I traveled to, I want to say close to seven different countries at the very least. And I was able to get a view that is not so myopic about the world. And hopefully I can elucidate some of those experiences to get a sense of my moral score. So I just want to start off by saying it was probably pretty sinful year in regard to some of the things that I was engaged in. And, you know, sometimes you justify the reason why you do certain things and go to certain places. And at the end of the day, if your actions do not mesh with what the scripture says, then you have basically committed a moral fault. And it's hard to kind of get to a point where you can start seeing your weaknesses and calling them out. But I think it's imperative for us to do so, so that we can know how to move forward in the future. Imagine just kind of going through life and not knowing if you're morally sound. Better yet, let's imagine going through life and not knowing if you're spending money the way you should. And you don't check your bank account. I mean, people would say that's crazy, right? And the same thing is true in regard to your moral well-being. How are you inside out? Because what's inside actually manifests in the real world outside. How you treat people, how you treat the way how you deal in business, in your relationships, at your job. These are indications of who you are, generally speaking. And I think a year is a nice time to kind of get a sense of what that score looks like, your moral score, and get a sense of your sin barometer, your sin budget, right? Because ultimately, if you break a law when you're on the highway, you are charged. You are cited a ticket, which you often have to pay unless you can make your case and show that it was issued unfairly, which sometimes 
sometimes that happens. But at the end of the day, we have to sit back and get a sense of what could we have done better? Ultimately, that's what this conversation is about. But looking at it from a spiritual point of view. So how do we even start by judging what is morally correct and what is not? Well, there's been philosophers who've made arguments about what morality is. And I don't want to go that route, although it would be an interesting conversation to have down the road. I do want to say that there is a way that seems right to a man and the end of the ways is death. That's from the book of Proverbs. That's David. David in the book of Proverbs chapter 12, I believe 14 says there is a way that seems right to a man thereof, but the end of those ways is death. In other words, the wages of sin is death. And that's just the way it is. Don't ask me, you know, if I can change the rules of the system. I'm just living in the system that, you know, God created and has given us a blueprint of how to live in it effectively. But the idea here is if you basically depend on your own morality to move in and around the world, there is a level of doing things right because it's socially acceptable. And that's how we basically operate. People behave according to how their social group views and accepts their behavior. So over time, things change because the behaviors that are accepted in society have changed. And you you can just see how in the early 90s, when I used to watch the NBA, for example, all my favorite players had no tattoos on them from Sean Kemp to Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, all these guys, Larry Johnson, all these guys, for the most part, didn't have any tattoos. LJ may have had a tattoo. I can't remember, or that might've been Alonzo Mourning. But nonetheless, it was very few cats who actually had tattoos that were visible, at least on their arms. And then in the 2000s, going into the 2010s, that whole thing changed, right? So now every major player has a tattoo and very few folks actually remain without one. I'm, I'm not making a judgment statement here. I'm just saying that the culture and the social milieu of young people has changed over time. Now, we could make correlations that there's a sense of desperation in terms of looking for a way to express oneself and, you know, body art and body piercing as being a way of doing that because maybe the traditional outlets of a dad and a mother who can kind of be the place in which you can have conversations about your issues have kind of dissipated over time. I'm not saying that because you have a tad that you have some issues. I'm just saying that culturally it has to mean something and be happy to hear if, you know, or read studies that kind of allude to what that meaning could be. I'm just saying that over time society changes and you have to ask yourself, why is there a change in the social movement of humanity, at least the youth, the millennials, the young adults, Gen Z folks, right? And, you know, you might be able to kind of put a study that says maybe suicides have gone up in the last 10 years, which correlates with, you know, this notion that people want to harm themselves. And so if you can't harm yourself, what's what's something that you can do to express your rage? Maybe it's, you know, body art or piercings. This is just speculative, of course, but I'm making a larger point here in regard to society changes over time and morality is generally kind of looked at from the lens of society. And as a result, it's malleable. It moves. It's not set which is problematic because what if in the next few years, the society decides that we want to go extremely off the rocks and say, you know, we should be able to allow 10 year olds, 12 year olds, because that's when, let's say, a young girl has her first menstruation to choose if she wants to have sex with somebody who's an adult, say to speak. Right. So it gets kind of hairy over time. And that's why we kind of need guardrails, just like in AI. They talk about how we need guardrails to ensure that, you know, the AI technologies, the machine learning processes are not infringing on human rights and privacy. The same thing is true when it comes to a moral code. 
Therefore, I think I'm trying to kind of state that while I think, you know, people have various ways of determining what their moral value system is, I think Christianity well-defined and well-explained and well-established, you know, because, you know, a lot of these Christian nationalists, for example, have muddied what Christianity truly is. But just go to the source, go and find out what Christ was like when he walked in Palestine. Look at his life as the model of morality and try and emulate that, right? So when I was traveling in Europe, for example, I had the opportunity to interact with people. And again, I go out there and I interact with people just to get a sense of who they are culturally and what their kind of life means in that particular context and in the global context, right? Because you might find that somebody in Jamaica, for example, Montego Bay, which is one of the places that I was in, has a very difficult life and the value of their you know, Jamaican dollar is diminishing because, you know, of what's happening globally in regard to U.S. monetary policy, for example, right, with cutting interest rates and the increase of inflation in the last few years has ripple effects outside of the United States. And so I'm documenting these things as I travel. In any event, the issue here is that sometimes when you're a reporter, you become part of the story. And unfortunately, we've seen this Palestinian-Israeli war where many reporters and writers and people who are giving us the information about what's happening on the ground have been injured and unfortunately murdered. And this is just a sad, sad situation because how are we supposed to get the real story when the people who are out there working hard to get the story out are get decimated. Now, my story is obviously different. I'm not in Palestine, but when I go to these different countries, I'm trying to tell a story. I'm trying to kind of understand the world in a way in which I can transcribe it in podcasts, for example, put it into context so that when I have conversations with people and I advise students and I talk to young people all the time, I can at least cite some examples of best practices and give them kind of like a global context to look at these issues. Therefore, you want to tell the story and not be part of the story. That's the ideal practice. In any event, I found myself often being part of the story because ultimately when you're in Berlin, you want to go in and find out what the Berliners do. And sometimes you might be inclined to go into places that you as a moral human being wouldn't necessarily want to be in those spaces. So it was very challenging for me to kind of navigate this idea of, should I go to this place to get my story, to understand how the world moves? And by the way, I'm talking to a German Polish girl and, you know, she's kind of giving me hints that she's interested in me or at least wants to kind of spend some time with me. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I can't get into anything emotional or relational with you, um, even though you're a 5'11 model looking like type of woman. So you have these issues and you kind of have to navigate where to draw the line. And I think last year or 2023 was a very challenging moment for me in regard to trying to navigate the line, which seemed to be blurred. And, you know, the goalposts seem to be moved about more often than I would like. And the question is, why did this happen? One, you have to understand where your weaknesses are and you have to understand that you're still in this crisis and in this controversy between good and evil, right? In as much as you want to be removed, you're still in it. And therefore, there are situations that test your moral barometer. And you go through these difficult periods to either help you overcome these weaknesses over time or to kind of show you that, yo, you are not all that you think you are. You're not foolproof in terms of your morality. And therefore, you need to kind of hold off, push back and be able to take a step back and say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't put myself in situations that jeopardize my morality. Yeah. And so I went into a few places, lounges, clubs, and was infused in the culture of that community. And in as much as I was reporting what was going on, 
at some level, I was actually imbibing what was going on. I was part of what was partaking in those spaces. And therein lies the issue as somebody who's trying to live a righteous life. You know, you need not put yourself in situations that jeopardize your faith. And so that's a huge lesson that I've learned in the last year or two years or so. It's like, how do I get to a place where I can be comfortable in a new space, a new community, but not necessarily go into maybe the dungeons of some of these places or engage with some of the very attractive women from some of these places as a means to get my story or to get my experience, which I apply into my life and I'm able to share with other people who might not have that opportunity to travel to some of these exotic places like Montego Bay, for example. And so I think one example of how I did this was in Montego Bay. I met a young girl who had just come back from Kingston and she basically was she's from Montego Bay. She went to Kingston to try and get her identification card because she had just turned 18 and she was unable to get that identification card because of the bureaucracy in Kingston. However, she was still trying to find a way to kind of get that done. Girl has no money and she needs the ID to get a job. So she was downtown where we met trying to finagle a job at one of the resorts and was having a little bit of a challenge. And so those are some of the stories I think I want to be able to tell and get out there without necessarily engaging in, you know, like a relationship with that person, which probably doesn't have legs. And then, you know, being able to discern when to kind of close that chapter and move forward is something that I think I'll be able to do a better job next year and be able to be more practical about what's suitable and what's not. Another example in Montego is a girl who turned out to be an undercover policewoman on a sting operation in Montego Bay. And I was basically sharing with her that I'd been to a garrison where it's extremely dangerous. And that's where all the people that they're trying to kind of check and unravel live. So I'm being open with this uh, policewoman, not knowing that she's a police person until later on and sharing with her, you know, last night I went to this place and I met some of the like you know, shatters from there. These are like gangsters. And, you know, I was embraced by that community because of this girl that I talked to who allowed me to come see where she's from. And meanwhile, I had no idea that I'm talking to an undercover cop. And I'm basically sharing all this information because of my lack of context. And, you know, she finally, she never actually came out and told me until I found out because the hotel people said that she was a cop and they vowed, they were like, yo, don't tell, don't tell her that you know. And they told me that she had checked out my ID and all this stuff. And the interesting thing is I didn't use my US ID to check into the hotel, which I guess worked out in my benefit because I also believe in privacy. But whatever ID that I used, she, which was legal, by the way, she was able to capture a copy of that ID. And so these are situations that you kind of get yourself into without knowing that, you know, you're, you're becoming part of the story because I was interested in this girl. I mean, she was attractive. And actually I showed her a picture. There's a historic picture of a Jamaican woman on a beach somewhere. And I think she has like the Jamaican uh, flag as her bathing suit or something. And she looked exactly like this woman. And that pic is from like the 1970s or something. This is this iconic picture, which maybe you can Google to see. I was, I was kind of leading with kind of like my, my feelings in this situation rather than being somebody who just wanted to learn about the community and get the story. I still got the story of what's going on in, in places like Montego Bay with how police are kind of infiltrating communities that are struggling. And so as a result, uh, trending towards maybe not so legal means of making money. So these are some of the examples, I think, that really challenged 
me in terms of thinking about my moral code. And I would encourage the listener, the young people to always go back and do an inventory check of what their morality looks like, because given the opportunity to pursue things with this person, that could have likely happened. And in other instances, unfortunately, it did happen, which leaves for a very tense situation when you have to leave the place. And it's kind of like, what's going to become of, of us? You know, like we've had a great time. And, you know, what am I supposed to say? Like, I'd love for you to come to the U.S. so we can see if this can work out, which is highly unlikely. Right. So I think it's really important that I'm opening up and sharing this so that folks can, at least in their context, be able to make the same discerning decisions going forward. And balancing that with what scripture says in regard to how you're supposed to carry yourself, right? I think if we constantly go back to scripture and get a sense of how we're doing in terms of a moral walk with God, with Christ, I think it will benefit the listener to kind of get a sense of their development. And by the way, your spiritual growth is exuded in how you deal with people. And so if your moral code kind of becomes better over time, I think you become a better human being and people notice a change. They see that you've actually become a different person. And that's basically what we call in theology as sanctification, right? There's a two-step process when you become a Christian. One is justification where you say, forgive me for my sins, Lord. And I ask that you send your son, Jesus Christ, to forgive me for those sins. And through his propitiation, which is his sacrifice, I'm asking that I am forgiven of my shortcomings, my sins and my faults. That is justification. At that moment, through faith, you are a new creature in regard to your slate has been cleaned. And from there, you begin having a relationship with God where you read scripture and what you read kind of is imbued in the way you act over time. And that is a function of the Holy Spirit guiding you through your life's walk. And we start seeing the fruits, right? The issue in our day and age is that people are looking to change their fruits without any basis of spiritual guidance, aka the Holy Spirit. Or if they are looking for spiritual guidance, it's in the wrong places. And so you're going to yoga and hoping that that spiritual practice will give you some level of peace and you're emptying your soul and your mind without noticing or acknowledging that something else has to kind of fill that that gap. And that gap, I think, can only be filled by Christ, but people are trying to fill it with other things. And therefore, the yogis are teaching you, you know, you have to empty yourself, empty yourself, empty yourself. And Christ is saying, I want to fill you. I want to fill you. I want to fill you with love, with compassion, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And therein lies the, the challenge and the tension between the types of spirituality that we accept as bona fide faithful movements that we should pursue. I offer Christianity. I offer relationship with Christ that you can start on your own by reading scripture. I would start with John, one of my favorite books where it gives you a sense of how the world played out. I would particularly hone in on John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. And he goes into saying, this is Jesus that in my father's house and many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that I will come back and take you to. And this is the promise of the Bible. This is a promise of Christianity is that our life here is temporal, but we have a much more eternal prospect should we live by the graces and by the scripture that Christ has given us to follow. So I would highly 
highly recommend reading John to get a sense of who Christ is, what his purpose was, and how we play into his purpose. And thereafter, I would go right back into Genesis and start the process of understanding how this whole thing began and to get a sense of this idea of good versus evil. After reading Genesis, maybe go into Exodus and then jump into some of the prophecies in the book of Daniel, which is a really interesting book. And don't be afraid to read the rest of the New Testament. I think Paul does a good job in Ephesians and Galatians and even Romans if you're struggling with this idea of faith and works. I think Paul does a good job of explaining that, you know, you're saved through faith and then your works are kind of a reflection of your faith in Christ who's working in you through the Holy Spirit, right? So those two notions are not are not mutually exclusive. They actually work together. And then I would finally just read the interesting like chapters that, you know, the Holy Spirit inspires you to and books and end with the book of Revelation, which is a promise of things to come. You have a purpose as an individual. I have a purpose. And understanding our moral code and our moral way of living is a really important place to start thinking about what my purpose in life is. If you begin with your moral purpose in life, you'll get to all the other things of finance, friends, family, relationships, all that stuff will be figured out. But get your moral house in order. And I hope this is helpful. Feel free to hit me up on the gram or other platforms to you know discuss this further. And I wish you all the best as you wrap up your year and begin 2024 until next time take care yo yo welcome welcome to the millennials podcast my name is meeks you can find me at the young underscore pilgrim on instagram we're gonna be discussing everything that implicates young people today so thanks for joining and we hope that you enjoy